this is the sport that I do. Like, you know, I've done this sport since I was 11, 10 years of age. I've dedicated and sacrificed my whole life to this sport. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM, the sports breakfast show from off the ball. Delighted to say we have Keith Wood joining us on the line now this morning. Morning, Keith. Morning, Jeds. How are you? Keeping well, keeping well. Thanks for, for hopping on. We, we decided to do uh, something a little bit different and pick, um, or get you to pick rather, five uh, tries uh, for moments at which you were on the pitch. So they don't have to be your tries, they can be someone else's tries. You just had to be on the pitch. We, he we, picked five of his own, didn't he? Yeah, Come five, on. five of your own tries. five of his own. Sorry, sorry, lads. Total narcissist. <laughs> uh, had to pick all my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could have picked five brilliant ones of your own, to be fair, but uh, uh, you haven't gone that direction. We'll, we'll get into them in just a second. Have you been following the, the other 20s World Championship, Keith? It's been, it's been going very well so far, and a, a brilliant Actually, final to look forward to. It's been extraordinary, really, and I think with um, um, with the backdrop of of the terrible tragedy of Greg Oliver, um, how they can turn up onto the field at all has it's been quite extraordinary. So, um, um, but if you even if you put that aside, just the manner in which they're playing has been impressive. Not everything has gone well. I have to say, I love watching twenties rugby because. It's not overcoached. Mm. There's a good coaching, and but the players are very natural. <clears throat> they haven't been through a system for a long period of time. Not everybody is analysed to the hilt, hilt. Um, and and mistakes happen. And it's how these young fellas and they're very young men how they react to those mistakes. It's been it's been quite extraordinary. So not not everything's gone their way, and and they're now in a final. I mean, it's it's. They look really impressive. They've got some fantastic players, but they're playing with a great team spirit. Um, it's kind of a joy to watch. As an as an Irish nation, I think we're quite reticent to to join hype trains and to really get on board them. We've seen it in the in the football with with Evan Ferguson, for example. But the likes of Brian Gleeson, um, I mean, we're all getting pretty excited about him, and I think rightly so. I look. I think um, the standout. Um, like, like he didn't get picked in the first game I don't know whether he's injured or not injured but he's been for nearly every match I've watched him it's between himself uh, Ruan Quinn and uh, Prendergast for man of the match I mean between the three of them they're sharing the spoils all the time um, but Gleeson looks fully formed he looks ready for the big stage um, he's consistently playing well carrying well he runs cracking lines <clears throat> Every time there's a big moment needed, um, any of the three of those seem to be the ones that come up trumps, and uh, and Gleeson has been the pick of the bunch. Yeah, really looking forward to that final uh, on on Friday. We'll have plenty more build up uh, to that one in advance against uh, against the French. Uh, your five best tries in which you were involved, you had to be involved in the games, Keith. We'll go in in order, I guess, of of when these tries happened. So the first is 1994, the blonde locks of Simon Gagan against England. Yeah, I'm, look, it's funny. I've uh, typical of me. I've kind of changed uh, exactly what your parameters were. <laughs> I just went for five that I could remember quite comfortably, and also not ones that, like some of these are remembered. Of course, they are, but not some of the the typical ones you'd have because um, there's Brian O'Driscoll. You could have him for about fifteen different ones, and I actually put him in for one because it's one of my favourite tries of all time. Um, which was in the 2009 um, uh, Grand Slam game against England. <clears throat> and it was a pick and go from O'Driscoll. But it was, it's one of my favourite tries because 
he was the guy that had to go and do it. And then I remembered I wasn't actually involved in that game. I was watching from the stand, so that was of no value to me at all. So that kind of upset me a little because it is one of my favourite tries. But I was in the stand for this one too. I was on the bench in 94 um, when... Um, uh, when when Gagan and I like I just think we missed so much from Simon Gagan uh, and he of all innocuous sounding things he retired in '97 with a bad toe injury and it just seems a, a total shame we didn't get to see him um, we saw him at his best because he was extraordinary he was an incredibly erratic and dangerous runner with the blonde flowing locks as you say but that try was an amazing one I was sitting with Ken O'Connell in the stand I can I can remember it as clearly as day I had Ken O'Connell on one side and Gary Halpin on the other and um, we rarely scored from from set piece and if I remember rightly it was either a scrum or a line out on, on the other side of the field um, but all the players just um, maybe to kick off or something. I can't. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. But um, when you're looking through all the names, it was Bradley and um, Philip Danaher, Connor O'Shea were playing. There's an awful lot of guys there that are, you know, that coached over over the years afterwards. But the it was Richard Wallace came in from the right wing to become the extra man to pass it to Gagan and still. 15 yards or whatever and Ireland had beaten England in 93 and it was totally against the odds and this was the opportunity for revenge for England that's why it sticks out so much Gagan gets it holds the ball in his wrong hand which I do remember as keenly as anything hold it in his right hand running down to the left touchline and still shimmied his way into the corner and um, I mean every time he played he set the world alight I it was what probably 12 around that time and I most definitely did not grow up in rugby country but something about that day always stands out and I think it was Simon Gagan's flowing blonde locks the fact I think it was the first time in six years England had been beaten and also the sense that like this was an otherworldly try mm-hmm. that this was something that we just heard about that the All Blacks did it was the quality of it as well from Gagan it felt it felt at a, a difficult time in, in maybe Irish rugby life as a real seminal moment it was. I mean, it's it, funny. It's it's interesting. It was, was it seminal or not? Or did it paper over the cracks? Right. And 93 and Mick Galway had scored in 93 to to, uh, to beat England at in, um, in Lansdowne. And then by winning again over here, they were the, um, we didn't have a huge other number of victories in around that period of time. They did kind of paper over an awful lot. And I, I've always thought it was a pity but I still remember it for, for one of those things. It was old Twickenham. So it was the old stadium mm-hmm. and it was, they had the bats and the changing room. It was just, I can remember it re- like really, really keenly. Um, and, um, you know, kind of crazy that you'd have, um, I, I don't know whether it was, it was just before professionalism and it looked like it was the chance for us to kick on. It took us a long time to kick on. It, the, the thing about this try as well Keith I was watching it back last night is when Gagan gets the ball with that number 11 on his back it almost seems like it's fast forwarded like he, he just had the, the trickiest feet and the quickest little shimmies that, that it almost seems like he's moving at a different at a different pace to, to the other players maybe because he was well he was I mean he was but I, I called him erratic runner because he there was elbows knees ankles everything kind of going at once um he was incredibly quick. Himself and Jim Staples were um, um, 
were unbelievably fit and quick. I mean, they, they played together in London Irish um, in around that period of time. I don't know if you remember, but there were um, four players came from London Irish to play with Ireland from 91-92. Rob Saunders, Simon Gagan, Jim Staples and Dave Curtis in the centre. And they brought a different level almost of professionalism before, before that word was even used properly at that stage. So, but they would train at a ferocious rate. Your, your second pick, Keith, on uh, these list of tries uh, in games in which you were involved. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, you're going John Bentley, I think, for uh, this, this is the try against Gauteng Lions for the Lions in 97. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. I've I've picked a couple of rugby leaguers um, in this. Bentley had come. I don't know what age he was at that stage in '97. Um, he had come from nowhere. He'd come from just changing from rugby league. Um, he was a surprise, definitely in the squad. He had a he was a hyper guy in in in, in the squad, um, and. He struggled to to um, to get into, and it's really interesting for a rugby league guy. He struggled to get into the rugby or to the defensive mindset that was required for us at that stage. And he he didn't get picked at different times. And then he eventually got picked um, to play in the second test. Um, and it was as much to do with this try as anything else. It is the best open field running um, I have ever seen. And now I know defensive setups are different now, and I know you can look back in it, but you deal with what's there in front of you and the times that were in it. And it is the maziest, most powerful, most changing of direction and nearly running out of gas at the end. But he gets the ball sort of 10, 15 yards outside um, outside our own 22. So playing against the Houtang Lions um, and burns a couple of forwards on the outside. I mean, it's a real thinking try because he sees who's around him. He sees what he's having to deal with. And he said, I can't go there. I can't go there. I can't go there. And the reason it's a great try is because from a guy who hadn't played a lot of rugby union, in rugby league, you can die with the ball, you know, you, and um, those guys will, will um, sorry, in rugby league, you, you can die with the ball and it's uh, another phase starts again, right? Uh, in rugby union, you can't. So if you lose your support, it's a disaster. Mm. And this is a guy who consistently found where the support was, but he never used them at all. He never needed to. And he backed himself all the way to the end. It is one of the great tries of all time. There's a real Jim Brown NFL running back vibe to this one because it's 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 finding the gaps, isn't it? It's really really smart observational play because he clearly has his eyes wide open, his head up, and and he's finding those gaps. Well, head up and engaging who's in front of him and saying, "Yeah, he can't catch me if I go on the outside, so I'm going on the outside. That's no bother for me." And then saying back, "You know, I'm in a bit of panic there. No, he's too quick." Uh, let's step off but it's the quality of his step and his hip work and um, like you're talking awful lot in in rugby about having your hips square and just watching the manner under which he shifts right to left in particular um, is extraordinary because it's on the spot it's quite extraordinary that was a a midweek game and it was interesting uh, reading this morning his thoughts on that the lines had been beaten the Saturday beforehand and he sort of felt maybe his his opportunity 
to get himself in and around the, the Saturday squad again was probably gone so that bit of personal pressure that was on him as well to pull out a moment like that probably showed just why he needed to be in around the Test 23 I roomed with, with Bentley for, for about a week at one stage and it was tough because um, like uh, I, I talked about it with the under 20s they're young men you know and there's a human thing here and everybody thinks they see the glory on the Saturday or whatever whatever it is but um, this is one of your dreams you know and your dreams get broken or uh, or they get delivered to you every week depending on selection so everybody's kind of up and down in that period of time as to what's happening and it's it's incredibly tough and I can tell you that that week because he hadn't had, you know, he hadn't had the look, the look in. Um, this is a performance that comes from, from, um, uh, you know, from being totally disconsolate and not getting picked. And it's extraordinary. And it is off the chart as a try. Yeah. And there was the, uh, I think his, his his career, generally speaking, like he would have, as you say, he he was not expecting to be in this this Lions squad. He was thirty or thirty one, I, I think, at the time. Fran Cotton obviously gives him the call and asks himself to to make himself available. You, you were saying there, Keith, uh, at the start that he's he was a character. He was one of these these guys around the camp. I guess you need that in Lions terms as well, don't you, lads? Who are a bit of crack and maybe bring something else. Well, it's energy is what you need, you know, and you want to have a bit of fun and and all that sort of stuff. But it's. It's hard. It's unbelievably hard. I mean, I, I look. We've talked about the line so often uh, on the show, and I have. I actually deliberately put up that. Yeah, it's a new studio. I'm, in, I'm admiring the, the new, new studio. Yeah, yeah, but I put up the new uh, or that lines picture for it, just for this. But it was, um, it was just so incredibly difficult, and um, it was in the first year of professionalism. Um, nobody really understood what professionalism was. Um, um, it was getting paid. That was about all it was. And it was trying to get the other attitudes going. Uh, for me, it was a seminal moment in that um, actually I got to see how a lot of the rugby league guys trained because they were professional and had been all their lives. And they had a different attitude to it. And um, I wouldn't say less emotional, but they kept their emotions um kind of clued in really for on the field stuff and it was like it was it was phenomenal and uh, you know I was talking about Simon Gagan and we hadn't been winning an awful lot in the years beforehand this was an opportunity to win on the world stage so it's the pressure is huge but the joy from it's huge too your third pick is the same year against South Africa for the Lions Alan Tate uh, and again another brilliant try Matt Dawson from watching the back was heavily involved in this move as well but uh, Cape Town stunned yeah, I look, I put this in because of the importance of it. And we had had a, an incredibly difficult, it was the first test and we'd had um, um, an incredibly difficult opening 30 minutes where we were getting screwed into the ground in, in, in the scrum. Um, we were trying to fight the, their traditional strength and it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And you know you can hold that for a period of time and you're wondering who flinches first and they flinched first after about 30 minutes Wally got on top of, of Durant uh, in the scrum and which was one of the great performances of all time and uh, from, from a tight head 
And then in the, in the middle of the second half, because you're not changing the, the, the front row after 55 minutes or 50 minutes, as you do now, you still get the opportunity to try and get on top of them in the second half. And we got on top of them. We, it was like ludicrously tiring and you're kind of nearly on the point of giving up. And our backs just started you know, picking whatever hole was there, they picked it. Jenkins was kicking everything over. Uh, Dawson pulled out a big wide pass, a couple of pop passes. It got to um, Tim Rodbert. And Rodbert was um, known as this incredibly hard bruising uh, number eight for England. But his pass is a pass of absolute genius out over the top you know, and very soft little hands and Tate scores in the corner. And Tatey was the most enthusiastic trainer I've ever seen in my life. Right. So the amount of joy that was given from everybody else watching him scoring that try, that's way out there, I have to say. And one thing that hasn't changed, I guess, about playing those South African teams over the years has been the the physicality of, of the Springboks. And I think, um, I think it was Alan Tate in one of the interviews after that match and after that series, he was saying the dressing room after these games was like an A&E A unit. You know, you had bodies just lying everywhere lying everywhere covered in ice um, different times as well so um, rocking was allowed and so rocking is allowed everybody is striped we all looked like we were sponsored by Adidas and you know it's just you're just but wrecked after it mm. and, and we weren't as fit as the guys are like nowhere near as fit as the guys are today and we were playing 80 minutes and we were probably playing 35 and 40 matches a season. So, and this is at the end of a season and you're, you're trying to stay fit. So for the last week of that Lions tour, I think there was about seven or eight people turned up for training on the Monday morning. Everybody else was wrecked. You just, uh, your memories of 10 minutes to go in that game, like you spoke about, do I want it? Like trying to keep the energy levels up I think you were trailing by a point it's Cape Town it's a Lions test the expectation the pressure it's the world champions what are your memories of, of what it's like with, with 10 minutes to go in a game like that? Well, well that one was a little I mean we pulled away at the end in that one the second test was the one that was the, the, the point the point in it and it was there was a relief in this one um, in, 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 in Cape Town there was a, there was a relief in the game and um, because it, it was so negative in terms of the the presumption was we were going to get hockeyed. So when that doesn't happen um, and you're able to enjoy the last few minutes of, of, of a game, it's unbelievable. Fast forward to the following week when, and we made very few mistakes in the first test. We made a few in the second. Now we had the pressure because we'd beaten them. Now they were going to prove how how right they were and how wrong we were, and but we were a proper target within their 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 scope at that stage. That last ten minutes of the second test is the hardest ten minutes I ever put down in my life. It was just it was horrendous. Um, um, I, I did nearly give up, and I've I've told that story. I think I don't know if I've told it on here, but I I, I tore my ankle ligaments in the first test. And we just strapped it up and played on and then said, look, should we play the second one? Keep strapping it up. You know, you'll be fine. And um, about 15 minutes to go in the second test, I was down on the ground and I'd felt I nearly gave up. 
And I was on the point of giving up until I caught um, uh, um, Scott Gibbs' eye. And I knew he, I knew he realized I was going to give up. And actually, the fact of him seeing, seeing me, I was embarrassed. And um, I didn't give up for that reason, because I knew I kind of half chickened out and I could, he knew I knew and I knew he knew. And he roared at me, get up off the ground, get back into the line. There was a a few more expletives in it and make the next tackle. And I got up and I ran back and I was in a lot of pain. My ankle was in a lot of pain. I just ignored it for the the rest of the game. Um, And then we, I tore my groin in the last couple of minutes of the game and and I went to come off and they wouldn't let me come off. So I scrummaged a couple of scrums at the end of it. And so when everybody is saying how great this was and it's a Lions victory, there's nowhere for me to be seen. I just, I limp off after the game. I I was never as happy and I was never as sad and tired almost at the same time. It was the hardest thing to kind of, to go in. And so I have a huge amount of time when people win uh, trophies or um, elements, the effort that goes into that. Everybody talks about the glory, but the pain, the pain that goes into that is pretty extraordinary. That must be such an, an alien feeling, Woody, for a, for a professional sports person, like that feeling of wanting to give up and, uh, and knowing you can't or you shouldn't, but that you're almost being betrayed by your own body. Well, I was, yeah. Well, I tell you what, that's the joy of team sport because uh, I would have walked off the field if I hadn't caught Scott Gibbs's eye, I think. Um, I remember we were, we were talking about it a couple of years afterwards, but, well, maybe about 10 years afterwards. And I'd never mentioned it to him. And we just had the conversation and he said, he said, I knew you wanted to give up. He said, I could see it. And I said, yeah, I felt I'd given it all, actually. And um, and that's what that's the great thing of 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 teams is you have to share the load. Everybody who thinks they can do anything on their own, I mean, how average is that? So you do it with the support of others. Um, yeah, that's a brilliant one. And again, Alan uh, Tate, someone who was a, a dual code player. So again, and I think he moved from centre, didn't he, to the wing? Centre to the wing. Again, he was a rugby league guy who'd 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 come in um, uh, he was infectious in training so we had a good few in there we had Alan Bateman we had Scott Gibbs Scott Quinnell had played mm. um, so there was a good crew that had come across so um, uh, it was interesting for us because it gave us an insight that we didn't have your penultimate try that you're picking Keith is John Hayes try against Toulouse in uh, 2003 this is the one where, where the, he just burst through the line and the pace of Hayes is, is quite extraordinary I know that was the, I love that one because Hayes is in that um, is in that I think he's in that play three times <laughs> and it was we were going down to Toulouse it was uh, we're down it was in Bordeaux um, I remember we had watched the draw um, I think it was a christening um, for one of I'm wondering whether it was uh, a christening for, for some... Anyway, I can't remember, or a, uh, an engagement party or something. And so it's something to do with John Langford, I remember anyway, and up in Foley's house. And um, and the line was, because nobody... We absolutely didn't want to play Toulouse. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to play them down in the south of France. And the line was, well, we just have to go and beat them then. And we all kind of laughed. And that was, that was it. And we went down... It was 27 or 8 degrees, far too hot um, to be playing rugby, and the crowd was magic. Um, there was a spill ball, I, I, I think, um, 
uh, Califano spilled the ball. He was a, he was a really really interesting French prop, a great great guy, and really interesting. He dropped a ball. Hayes won the turnover. So that's the great joy of this is in my memory of it too. Hayes wins the the the, the turnover. Um, we have a bit of a run of it. Um, I get past the ball. I have a bit of a sprint um, down the down the outside. Um, Entomac, uh, the father of, um, or Natomac, as Pahui then used to call him, Entomac, um, tackled me, actually tore my calf. That was, uh, right. that was an, another injury. So I'm still on the ground for a while. It's the best, one of the best team tries. Everybody links into it. We have an opportunity to score. We don't score. Um, the ball goes back out on the outside. I think, um, uh, Foley takes it back in to find cover. Um, uh, I think was it was it Raj? Did Raj get back involved into it? Um, takes a wrong line, but it's a right line and passes it back in. Hayes has cleared out a rook. He's in that rook on the floor for maybe thirty seconds, and when he stands up the next time, someone passes him the ball and he runs the three yards in over for the line. He's in it three times. He's done a huge amount of work on the hottest bloody day of all time. Um, but it's one of the great tries. You didn't pick one of your own tries, Keith, but I think you're uh, you're doing yourself a disservice with your role in that try. <laughs> you were like a rocket. Well, I got a bit of space, you see, and if you if you get up ahead of speed, you're fine, you know. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, it was good, Nick, at that at that stage until that until I tore my bloody um, tore my calf. So, um, must yeah, have been about fifty yards. Was it fifty or sixty yards? You must have run. That was a short look. You run whatever is in front of you. You can, <laughs> you got a, yard, you got a yard longer with every passing year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It could have been 10 yards or 20 yards. Just, uh, just uh, yeah, a bit of pace. A bit what, of pace back in the day. What was the ball like to come up against in, in, in training? Uh, horrible. <laughs> I, I, I kind of I um, cheap shot at him a couple of times in training early um, where he'd get caught on the wrong side. Um, and he was like an immovable object so the next time he'd go in he'd just hit you with his hip and it's just it's a dead weight like Hayes is a, we I went I had an argument with the IRFU and, uh, over proper sized beds in the Berkeley court when we stayed there years ago and I used Hayes as the example to stand in the doorway while I was complaining to the manager of the hotel <laughs> He stood in the doorway. The only light that came in was over his shoulders. His head was touching the top of the door. His, both his shoulders were touching the frames of the door. And I said, and you expect him to sleep in, in a small bed? I said, he can't even stand in a doorway. But um, ah, he was... I, look, I think, again, guys who, who make the most of their talent. And um, John was... If John got into a good position in the scrum, the way the scrum was, he'd be fantastic now because the lack of hit in the scrum uh, that's there now would make him truly extraordinary. But if he got himself into a good position in a scrum, he was immovable. Uh, if he didn't, it was hard because he was six foot four. And so sometimes on that hit in the scrum, he'd get caught in a bad position. And because he was that big, he was put under pressure. Um, but he was the most honest player that you had. He was the best line-out lifter in world rugby, bar none. Um, and himself and Jason Leonard would have vied for the best um, uh, best uh, rook defence uh, pillar defence the two of them were phenomenal but his lifting in the lineout was was uh, you know off the chart at a time when when it was only com- kind of coming in he was just sure he gave 
Mick Galway an extra two or three years. <laughs> I often said that Galway should be buying him pints for the rest of his life. He gave him an extra few years because Mick was not known for his vertical leap. So um, having John Hayes as a tractor behind him was pretty fantastic. Keith, if we were talking about Simon Gagan earlier, and maybe that was a bit of an outlier of that that period. That day against Toulouse and going down to, I think it was in Bordeaux, was it, in the sunshine and scoring a try of that quality and then Rogers' try of similar quality in the second half. I know the season doesn't end the way you would have wanted in the final from a Munster point of view, but how do you reflect on that performance and the importance of what came afterwards for Munster? I think there. I think there was a whole variety of firsts on that on that trip. Beating Saracens, beating Saracens away, um, um, beating beating Toulouse in France was extraordinary. The reaction of the crowd was extraordinary, and um, the lack of separation between the team and the crowd was extraordinary. Um, Stringer and Raj taking control of games was pretty amazing for guys of that age. So that was that was pretty fantastic as well. Um, we had an unusual mixture of a team. Um, but again, when you look at the team, you look at how many of those guys became coaches, like so many of them did. Um, Raj, uh, Dutchy Holland, um, um, Anthony Foley, you know, there was there was an awful lot of guys who went into coaching then afterwards. You know, there was there was an awful lot to love on that monster team. And again, look, we said it last week. You'd like to have gone a bit further and, and got the win, but but we didn't get the win. But an awful lot was done on that. I, I what I remember from that trip actually was in the airport, everybody just chatting, all the fans, all the team, just kind of all milling around. It was yeah, it was. Look, it was, a, it was a brilliant journey. It didn't quite get to the destination that was wanted in that time, but it did in the years ahead. The final try you've picked, Keith, is Alan Quinlan, a uh, try against Argentina in, in the World Cup in October 2003. Uh, we'll have Quinny on tomorrow morning, so we absolutely love you picking this one, to be fair. And look, you had, a, you had an important role to play in this one. Your break leads to the Quinny try, generally speaking. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was an interesting one for a variety of reasons. And... Um, um, Quinny was in and out of the team at the time and um, it was a I, he, look I thought he was a, he was an extraordinary line out player right? and he really was and he was in, extraordinarily messy to the opposition he used to upset everybody at every stage whenever he possibly could and he'd get picked and wouldn't get picked and he'd get sin-binned an odd time and there was things he'd drive him absolutely mad. And I remember uh, on, on, for this World Cup, again, oh, we're talking tired for me. It was the most tired. Was, I hadn't played a full game in 12 months. So I was unbelievably knackered at the end of this. But um, we had set up as well as we could for a whole variety of different things. So I used to defend at the back of the line out um, Quinny was always in around the back of the line out but he'd worked so hard on on getting his head around the discipline required and I, I couldn't believe how well he trained that's one of the reasons this goes in like all these these are good tries and but I, the emotion I remember for them that's the kind of the, the common link for me but Quinny was awesome um, on that World Cup everything had aligned and uh, so I find this incredibly poignant um, because um, I get a ball at the back. I used to defend at the back of the line out. It's an overthrow. I used to defend there to, to cover Raj 
um, we'd always have an extra forward that would go out. Um, Roger would get targeted quite a lot. And you don't want huge centres getting a pop ball running at a, at a light 10. So you'd always try and have extra forwards out if you could. Traditionally, the hooker would defend at the front of the lineup, but I used to defend at the back. Um, and then when the ball goes, goes loose, it bobbles. Um, uh, you know, I pick it up and off I go, you know, and it, there's a half a bit of a dummy and a show and a go. Um, and I was, I was flying at that stage. And so the reason it's, it's a great score is, Quinny is going in a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He is only like he is only thinking of one thing, and bearing in mind I didn't pass the ball that often. He his expectation for me to pass was interesting, but he could he would have if he wasn't hitting a rook, he was expecting the pass. He got the pass. Um, uh, thankfully, I passed it. Um, but he is going at full tilt. Um, and I think he gets it around the 22 and scores and in scoring dislocates his shoulder. Yeah. That- that's, the, that's the thing because I kept slagging him afterwards that he was a martyr, that he gave his shoulder for Ireland, you know. And But I actually think we missed out on not having him for, for, um, for the rest of it because I, I thought he was, a, he was just, I just thought he was in the best shape mentally and physically in his career I, you know and so it's an incredible score and it's the score like we won that game by a point I think yeah. you know and, and it was a score that was, was needed to be done um, and as I said if he'd slowed down to try and hit the rook that wasn't going to be a try he, he wasn't going to have the pace to get there so he he fully expected so he did the positive play that's that's what marks that out has been fantastic Um yeah. He was at full tilt. It was 16 points to 15, the final score of that game in Adelaide and, and secured the, the quarter-final spot in that World Cup in 2003. As you say, like Ignacio Corleto, I think, is the Argentinian player that, that's chasing him down. It's the pick-up from yourself. You pick it up so fast on the move, which is which is uh, quite remarkable to watch back. And then the offload. And as you say, like when you watch it back, Quinny is in some distress like with that dislocated shoulder. And I'm just reading the articles. He ends up missing the... Missing the Six Nations, I think, as well, the following year. So clearly a serious injury, and he's in serious pain after that one. Oh yeah, it was. It, look, he looked in agony. He was in agony. Um, it was a, it was a, a crazy atmosphere that one because we lost four years previously in Lance against Argentina. Um, I remember uh, someone telling me that this actually, uh, someone from the IRFU telling me, by the way, if you lose this game, we lose about seven and a half million quid in funding. And he said, you might want to tell that to the rest of the players. I said, no, I think I keep that one to myself. Um, uh, I won't tell the boys that one. But the pressure was palpable. It's an unusual, it's the Don Bradman Stadium in Adelaide and it's a, cr- a cricket oval. And the proximity of the of the, the fans to the players, uh, you know, they're miles away. And it's it just had, it, it was the most eerie Atmosphere, and I've never felt pressure like it. Actually, the pressure was all the way to the end of that game. Um, so on that one, we we wouldn't have got there without Quinny. Yeah, pressure, not least when you hear the financial repercussions for sure. Uh, Keith, yeah. brilliant stuff. Really enjoyed those picks um, and some great memories there. Thanks a million for hopping on. Cheers, gents. A little bit random yet again, but never mind. Uh, as always, but listen, the people enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed those picks. Uh, some brilliant tries in there, and uh, sure, we'll get your five, your best five tries. At some Cheers. point soon. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.